the Team Clear Coat Podcast. We're two friends finally doing something about our obsession with cars. We're probably not doing it well, but it should be fun, and we might actually learn something along the way. I'm Dave. And I'm Ian. And this is our show. Ian. Dave! <laughs> Who's punching the air now? I'm punching. We're, we're, we're both punching. Oh, I'm God. running out of breath. Oh, God. Ian, you got to do more cardio, I know, buddy. I do. Oh, God, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> lifting, <laughs> lifting whiskey glasses is not cardio. Shut your mouth. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's get into this, because oh. nobody wants to listen to this part. Oh, my God, no. Okay. Yes. Welcome to Team Clearcoat. This yes. is an automotive podcast where we occasionally tire ourselves out by punching the air. <laughs> and uh, tonight... We talked to Jason Torchinsky from Jalopnik and had a great time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yes. So we're just going to do a quick plug. If you haven't uh, read uh, Jason's articles on Jalopnik, remedy that right now. Yes. Uh, Also, on uh, Jalopnik's uh, YouTube channel, he has a series called Jason Drives, which is fantastic. Yes. You should go watch that. Um, and then you can follow him on Twitter at at Jason Torchinsky. That is awesome. Yes. We had a great time talking to him. Here is that conversation. Hey, Ian. Hi, Dave. How's it going, buddy? Great. So, Ian, we have a guest on the show today. We do. Uh, it's uh, Jason Torchinsky from Jalopnik. Hi, Jason. Hello, guys. How you doing? Awesome, buddy. Awesome. Good. <laughs> so um would you like to just briefly talk about uh what your role is with jalopnik uh sure um i think my title is officially uh i'm associate editor okay uh, i don't i don't really know what that means exactly but uh, <laughs> what, I, what i tend to do at jalopnik is um i'm sort of the idiot uh i I do a lot of the design and art also, for one thing, like a lot of top shots and things and charts and graphics I do. Okay. Uh, I also tend to write about, um, I tend to make up more shit than a lot of the other guys maybe are inclined to do. <laughs> like, um, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just kind of make up things that seem fun. Um, sort of the, the weirder stuff, weird ideas I have, I try out, um, cars that tend to be maybe technically more unloved weird slow low horsepower unusual i'm also probably the only guy who really gives a shit about things like um pre-1880s cars especially old steam cars or side marker lights uh painful geeky detail crap i like also um you know space stuff i do a lot also i tend to focus on the space stuff um and yeah like i like uh i do a lot of drawings and doodles and things like that and Anything that involves um, like bad or you know bad ideas, I'm also I do a lot of bad ideas, and I like to talk to I like to talk to the car companies about a lot of my terrible ideas and just try to push them as far as I can. Yes. Well, so one of you you brought that up, and uh, one of my favorite things that you've ever written about was your uh, your idea for the shooting brake, the FRS shooting brake, which yeah. I think is a fantastic idea. Yes. Yeah, there should be one. Absolutely, there should be. It wouldn't be that hard. I mean, you know, it's just a, it's just a body change. It would make the car a lot more practical, and I think it would look better. I love shooting brakes anyway. I have a, a Reliant Scimitar, which was like the original shooting brake. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, 
it's just one of those body styles I've always loved. You know, the idea of the sporty wagon is great. And the FRS yeah. would do, I don't know, I mean, it's not like it's bad now, necessarily, but it could be a lot better as a shooting brake. It would be more practical. I think it would look way cooler. It would stand out more. They should do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Hey. I, I, I love the I, I love the drawings first off so I, I draw horrible drawings of uh, fat ninjas quite frequently <laughs> and uh, so I was I was gonna ask you if all the artwork was yours because I, I love it the one you have of uh, Dyson's and on the Tesla was awesome yeah uh, yeah I, I, I 100% dig all that stuff so thank you very much for putting that out there especially when you're running the car companies like these fictional lunches you know, through these ideas that you have. Can you talk some more about that? Well, they're not fictional. Like, you mean the My Dinner With series? Yes, yes, the My Dinner With series, yes. Here's the thing a lot of people don't realize about My Dinner With. Every every stupid suggestion I ask, or I mention the My Dinner With, I actually really asked of somebody <laughs> at a, a press launch dinner. Every okay. single one. And I and that's my rule. I will they, they have to be I have to have really brought it up and really outlined my idea. The part where I embellish and lie is the insane and usually violent reaction yes. that yes. they are. Yeah. Their high goons have that stuff doesn't happen, but the ideas themselves I won't write about it in one of those unless I actually approached it to uh, one of the automakers. So it's um all that's true. You just have to filter out the stuff where I get you know like scalding hot chili and jelly <laughs> or whatever. But all this stuff is true. If it's a deal, you know, like the. Uh, yeah, I think I for like Ford, I was I, I love cab over design, so I was really yes. pushing a version of the Flex, like a Neo Econo line that would be a cab over design, <laughs> and um, like all these, all that, all that crap, I, I actually brought up nice. the Scott Five Hundred with the Hellcat engine, break off the seats, <laughs> all that stuff, and you know, a lot of engineers will talk about that way longer than you'd think they they would. It's fairly rare that they get annoyed, but it, you know. That happens too. That, that was going to be my question: was how, like, how is that received? Yeah. Normally, normally I find an engineer who just has fun and is willing to talk about it and actually enjoys it. Okay. Occasionally, usually it's more in the PR side. The engineers are usually cooler. The PR people are they have a tighter a tighter leash about what they can say and can't say. Like, um, I know that. Uh, let's see. When I was doing Cadillac, I was talking about um this kind of old concept of american luxury that's kind of gone since since a lot of the american luxury brands now are basically making bmw fighter type cars right yeah we we talk about that a lot yeah yeah Yeah. there used to be a a very uniquely american idea of the kind of floating couch thing Mm -hmm. and i was talking about this and proposing something like a an american version of the renault aventime that would be kind of like a modern way to get back to what they were once good at. And one of the PR guys was clearly just sick of me bringing it up. <laughs> okay. It was just done. Just didn't want to hear my bullshit anymore. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you're, if you're, because I'm sure that's a really like incestuous sort of industry. I mean, that section of the industry, the, the PR section, I, I wonder if you're getting a bit of a reputation among, the, among that crowd. Sort of. I mean, it does happen. I mean, there is... I think I've met some people and there is kind of an immediate eye roll or like a, just a long ragged sigh as they realize what an unpleasant <laughs> evening they're about to <laughs> People are like throwing their shrimp cocktails to like get out of the way like they're running yeah, for the just door. They're just kind of softly sobbing and just, <laughs> just over. Right. Get a lot of that. 
<laughs> a lot of soft sobbing. Well, we definitely appreciate it because I think the humor aspect of, of automotive journalism is is when it's done right, like you do, like Mr. Regular does, I, um, I think it's really appreciated. And it's I think it really serves a good purpose in the overall landscape of, of uh, everything that we have. I hope so. I mean, I love doing it. And, and I, my background is I... I actually came from more of a comedy writing background. I wrote for The Onion for a while. Oh, nice. When I moved out to L.A., I was, uh, yeah, I did it because I was doing stand-up and I was in a comedy group. So I'm glad, I'm glad I kind of have an outlet for that stuff still, which is nice. And also, I just love, I love lies in some ways. So, <laughs> like, like, yeah, you know, and I know tomorrow's April Fool's and we are, we're actually under strict, strict orders. And actually, all of Gawker's this way is we don't. We don't participate in any April Fool's fake stuff. You know, like tomorrow, you're just not going to believe anything you see on the Internet. Right. right. My policy won't do that. And I don't mind because I just do it whenever I feel like it. Like yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I did like a fake, uh, like I pretended like I found this on eBay, a 1973 press yes. photo of a tesla yeah, yeah like the tesla model 312 and i didn't i wasn't even thinking that it's almost april fools i didn't care you know i was just having fun but we label everything we do you know i i hint that i don't ever make you totally believe it i always give hints that i'm i'm screwing around and we always label it as satire so nobody's going to be really fool but we're just kind of having fun right yeah lying is to april fools as drinking is to new year's eve <laughs> there you go yeah exactly like at some point it's just not cool anymore to do it then because right. you know, yeah. everybody expects it. So Ian just likes to have New Year's Eve every other day. Yeah, it's amateur <laughs> hour. <laughs> Professionals. <laughs> right. Uh, um, so let's let's go ahead and get into some other aspects of um, how you kind of focus this um, this kind of more just a, a creative energy towards the automotive journalism with things like um, Will It Baby? Yeah. yeah. That is, that is something that really impacted us. Yeah, well, me specifically, because I have a 22-month-old. Um, oh, yeah. So, you get it? Yeah, yeah. And I managed to hang on to my my R32, uh, my Volkswagen R32 through through birth and now toddler <laughs> toddlerhood. So, um, yeah. You're, well, that you're, car's perfectly acceptable for having a kid with. Absolutely. Right? Just, yeah. No reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he I, absolutely loves it, so. Yeah, my little boy, he's five now. His name's Otto. Um, you know, and we've been doing this, you know, for a long time. The first Will It Baby I did actually was an FRS. And the whole point of Will It Baby is the car has to be, it has to be something you would never in your right mind buy if you had a kid. That's the criteria. Otherwise, right. it's just too easy. And it kind of started because before we had a kid, like my daily driver has been this 73 Beetle I've had since I was 18. And um, when my wife got pregnant, we decided that we needed to get like, a, you know, at least some car in the family that made more sense. So we got like this, um, we got like a 2000 something Passat VR6 wagon, the, the wagon Passat. Yeah. It was like, and it was, um, or actually it was like a 2000, it was early, early 2000s, like 2001 or two, whatever. So it, like all Passats of that era, it just had a shitload of trouble. <laughs> yeah, to say, yeah. Yeah, the week after he was born, um, like that first week, like we took him home from the hospital in that, and then like the fuel pump failed. <laughs> so that first week he was around, we were driving him everywhere in my old Beetle, just like we said, no, we should get a car that's safe and real. Didn't matter. We just immediately, we he was back in the Beetle immediately. And I would get some dirty looks from people because clearly, you know, I mean, this was when I was in LA and, you know, 
I would have him on the freeway and drive. You know, we would take him everywhere. Right. And would give you mean looks because they all know better than you, of course. When you're mm-hmm. a parent, everybody does. And, um, you know, as I realized, you know, you can you can really have almost anything as a kid car. And you'll more than likely be fine. But the amount of effort you have to put in to make it work will often vary a lot. So you're kind of going to have to weigh, you know, how much you love the car and how much you want to deal with the hassle of making your kid, you know, go through the stuff. And it's, he loves it. Like, Otto loves being in the old Beetle, but he also likes being in the new cars. If you're ever in, like, uh, modern, you know, in minivans, everything is crazy easy, and I totally get it. Uh, like, our daily kid car has been a Scion XB, the first generation one, that box. Nice. For a long time. And it's fantastic. It's a manual. It's just a big box. There's a shit ton of room in that thing. Getting him in and out is easy. That, that car, there's no reason not to buy it. I love that. As far as just purely practical transportation, it's the most rational car I've ever owned. And right. I love it. And everyone thinks it's weird when really it's just the most logical solution to the basic problems of transportation you could have. It's great. So I don't know. So, so Will It Baby is just... I don't want, I think anybody, you should drive what you want, first and foremost. And regardless there we of go. What that there is. we go, yes. And, you know, if you have a kid, there's ways just to make it work. I even did one recently with the Miata. And, of course, it's, it's barely, I mean, you can't really use it as your only car, but you could totally have a Miata as a second car and deal with your kid. You just, you just got to manage your life a little differently around it. And if that's worth it to you, then fuck it. Great. Have fun. <laughs> right, yeah. And I... So my, I get a lot of shit from my friends for it, for having, you know, the two door car and then the seats don't actually all fold all the way forward because they're too big for the car and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, I always tell them that hatchback and you still have a back seat and yeah. it's not, yeah. You know, and I always tell them like, it, I'm more stubborn than that is hard. <laughs> so yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, there's like a continuum there. And I think you gotta like, you know, if you have like stubbornness over a graph of like stubbornness over difficulty, <laughs> it's pretty low. Yeah, that's that's I, honestly that's a pretty that's a pretty good compromise car I think because it's still fun to drive and it's practical enough. It's yeah, it's totally fine. Nice, your friends are idiots. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so so can you give us any cars that Auto has has taken to or hated that you wouldn't have seen coming? You know, it's um, he likes. Maybe it's because he spent so much time in my Beetle early on, and it was loud and bouncy. He tends to like the rougher, louder stuff. We had a we had a GTR. I had it with the the rear seat delete option. All right. So it actually had no back seat, but the the latch hooks were still welded into the frame. So the baby seat that went back there actually formed his seat. And you know it's loud and mechanical and clanky, and he loved that thing. And he loved to you know like he'd ask me like Daddy go fast, and I'd stomp on it. And his little head would whip backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was a lot of fun. He liked that. He liked the Miata we just had because convertibles are fun. And he liked being up front, which he normally you know isn't. But since that's the only other place to sit, he got to be. And I showed him how to use the gear shift, and he liked that. Um, he likes those. He likes, uh, you know, we were just in the Pacifica launch. He liked having the big minivan because it's fun. It's like a whole room. So he liked that. Uh, the things that he's less, that he cares less about are the stuff that, almost anybody would care less about just the boring kind of middle stuff. Most crossovers crossovers are the biggest disappointment because all they are, are the problems of everything else. They're hard for him to get into. They're kind of hard to see out of. They're hard to get out of again. Mm -hmm. And they don't really have that much room in them. Like there's, 
Like, what's the point? Like, there's nothing yeah. in there that makes them really fun. They're just all the little bits of ass pain just kind of stuffed together into, you know, a big clunky piece of shit. Yeah, it's all of the, like... It's it's kind of like the suburbs of the uh, of the car yeah. world. Like it's all of the drawbacks of both rural living and city living without any of the benefits of either. Right, sort of and I think I, I wrote about this about my in my pro minivan thing. Like, if you have a kid and you want it to be easy and functional, get a fucking minivan. Like the cross, like the idea that you're getting a crossover because it's somehow like cooler is ridiculous. They're not cooler. There's nothing cooler about them. Like the idea that they are, and they've been kind of pushed as this cooler alternative for people who don't want to like give up by giving a minivan, but you're giving up even more with a crossover. Yes. Yeah. Just, you look just as, I mean, you look you worse. Look? Like, you look worse. Yeah. Like in that article I was talking about, I was talking to a friend who said she didn't want, she described what she needed. It was clearly a minivan. She mentioned they'd rented a minivan and it was great. And then she would never buy one because that would be giving up. And she owns like a RAV4. Like, the, what was a RAV4 not giving up? Ugh. What are you going to do in this RAV4 that you can't do in a minivan? Yeah. You're going to drive over a curb and stop purse snatchers? I mean, <laughs> and I, no, none of us were that. I mean, there's this illusion that somehow we were cooler before. But what did she have before? Like, a Corolla? I mean, yeah, right. you're not going down. Yeah. yeah. Get the fuck in. Yeah, so that was th- that article was actually the reason that we – we're like we need to contact him to get him on the podcast because it was actually just a few weeks before that article came out we had almost the exact same conversation uh because it all started because i rented a dodge journey and hated it and and was like you know this thing is a minivan just but made worse right Um, and the proportions suck because the hood's too long and it doesn't have a sliding door which is awesome yeah 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 absolutely what are they doing? Like, what's the point of this thing? Like, the idea that somehow a longer hood and a sliding door make you less cool are stupid. They just make your life a little bit worse. That's it. You're not any cooler. Yeah. yeah. It, it, can it, be cool. It, it, it's not a vehicle that is worth expending that stubbornness effort for. No, exactly. Right? The return for your stubbornness is negligible. Like, there's no... <laughs> like, what's the point? Exactly. Like, I always feel like the Japanese get vans better than we do. You know, they have things like that Velfire, and they have all kinds of crazy, the tiny K vans, which oh, I adore. Yes. And, you know, they, they have fun with the vans. And they give, you know, they'll put a body kit on a van, you know, because <laughs> fuck it, why not? And, yeah. you know, it's like we just need to stop treating vans as this kind of punishment. It all goes to, like, this whole idea that somehow when you're a parent, you you have to give up all this stuff and you should there's something about you that says you should be your life should decrease in fun by this this amount and that's i don't understand why why we put up with this like why do parents it doesn't have to be that way it never had to be that way you can continue listening to wu-tang it's okay (laughs) you can do whatever you want yeah young people aren't that cool really i wasn't that (laughs) cool when i didn't have a kid and i'm no less cool now i don't understand what the big deal is it's just you know, you, you work a little harder and you have a little less time and you're taking care of a whole other human being. So, like, shit, cut him some slack. Yeah. I don't, know, I yeah, don't, I, I don't get it. No, I, I, I completely agree. It's it's weird when people expect you to become a, a self-flagellating monk. <laughs> when yeah. yeah. That's not what parenthood is. It's just more logistics. That's all it is, really. Exactly. Yeah. And your kid's going to be happy if you're happy. So, I don't know, this weird stigma and this weird idea that, you need to be get like there's like a like 
I got we got a lot of pr- I got a lot of pressure when we had the kid like oh you're going to be getting rid of like the beetle or the yeah. scimitar yeah. I'm like why but people kind of want you to they want to watch you have to make this sacrifice and have it hurt a little so they can <laughs> nod and feel I don't know I don't know what they get out of it yeah Some people told us like how they everybody seemed to delight in telling you how much less fun your life was going to be but it doesn't have to be that way it's, it's just the sadistic fucks who keep coming up to you and you want to watch them <laughs> i don't get it it's true i now that you just mentioned that i mean they everyone who you know who told me that you know i was gonna have to move out of my tiny house and i was gonna have to get rid of my tiny car like they had they said it with like a hunger in their eyes like <laughs> yeah. i need to taste your you're pain gonna, you're gonna do right. that there's like yeah. a weird glee they kind of want to be there to watch it like hey if you have to sell the beetle can i be there when you hand it over <laughs> and watch you cry a little bit that? yeah I show you pictures of you in it so it hurts a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Terrible. Well, so, but I think, so that, I think that is part of what is going on with the minivan stigma thing. But I think there's another thread too in the, in car culture where enthusiasts have, have sort of, and I, I think there's a larger trend of like, they, they kind of put up a barrier to car culture, right? Where like, if you read a car review, it's all very nerdy, like facts and figures about the car. And, yeah. And before the minivan, it was, we all decided that wagons weren't cool. And then minivans came along, and then we decided that minivans weren't cool. And so we've pushed people into ever worse sort of alternatives to solve the problems that you're yeah. talking about. Um, so what do, you th- what do you think about kind of, and, and now the, we're kind of reaping those, uh, what we, we sowed a little bit, because now people younger than us aren't interested in cars. So how, how do you think you know, the, the kind of the current state of car culture relates to all of that. It's, you know, it, I feel like in some ways car culture is better than it's ever been in that the internet has allowed people with more niche tastes, more opportunities than ever to find one another and to really celebrate what they love. There's micro car groups and there's, you know, like the fact that I remember once writing an article about beetle taillights, this one-year taillight that was only available in Australia and Italy. And I wrote it thinking, who is going to give a shit? And there were like 50,000 views on this particular article because there's a certain delight people have in somebody really into anything. So I feel like a general interest car site like ours is surprisingly accepting of other points of view and people are surprisingly willing to let themselves feel the excitement someone has for something that they themselves may not be that interested in. And I think in the past you may have, car culture was seen more as just like old guys in, you know, ugly shirts saying they'd rather push a Chevy than drive a Ford or whatever, getting into fistfights about, you know, you know, Windsor engine versus an LS engine or some shit like that. Yeah. I think it's grown a lot. So I think actually, I think car culture is getting better and I think it's getting more inclusive and more adaptable to, you know, little niches and subgroups and whatever. And, and I think at Jalopnik in particular, our readership is uh, really good about um, being interested in all kinds of things outside of their like core love. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. And it, it, it's something that we, we, that we kind of talked about before once about, um, 
uh, how it kind of the, the hand wringing about car culture or cars declining in the the larger culture tracks pretty neatly with the decline of rock music in the larger culture and really the people who are doing the hand wringing are people who listen to classic rock you know and so like <laughs> yeah. their version of car culture is disappearing and it's it sort of tracks with you know a lot of the other trends that we see in in the country about like you know take our country back and all that sort of stuff i think yeah i think you know it- I don't really think it, I think you're right because I don't think car culture is going away. There's a surprising amount of, there's all kinds of interesting things going on. There's so many, for example, lemons races across the country that didn't, that kind of thing didn't exist before. An outlet for that kind of grassroots level racing on that scale where it's nationwide, actually it's global. There were just some in Australia Mm -hmm. is fairly new and it's great. People who would never have spent any time on a track are getting those opportunities now. So I don't believe car culture really is going away. I think it's, I think it is still here and still growing. Maybe, you know, like they're saying, you know, the youngest segments of the population that are starting to drive have less pressure to drive. Some of it may be because they have so much better contact with modern ways of communicating that they don't feel that same burning need to get the hell out of the house that I felt when I was 16. But I don't think they're not going to drive. There's too many parts of our country that are just too damn big for you to not have a car, and yeah. where the, the you know the public transportation systems aren't developed enough. So cars aren't going anywhere. They're going to change a lot, and as autonomy comes more common, they'll change even more. But there's still always going to be a core group of people who want to drive and are interested in cars for what they are. It's you know it, it, our website does a crap ton of traffic. You know, we get millions and millions of people every month. They're coming from somewhere and they're interested in cars. So it's yeah. not gone by any stretch. So if you were giving the state of union, state of the union for car culture, you would say car culture is strong. Yeah, of course <laughs> yeah. it's strong. Yeah, why wouldn't you? It's strong and it's, you know, it's maybe it's different than it used to be, but I'd argue in a lot of ways it's better. It's more flexible. It's more interesting. You know, car culture is is active and alive i um i think all the hand the hand wringing is just that it's just sensationalist hand wringing and all these people are saying the millennials aren't going to buy cars are going to be surrounded by millennials in cars at some point maybe there'll be a few less because of car sharing and whatever but fundamentally who gives a shit they're still we're not cars aren't going away right I'm, i'm just not worried well, it's nice to hear. It's nice to have a little bit of uh, optimism. In, yeah, in a, yeah, in a for sure. For once, for sure. <laughs> but but also, I do like how you how you kept in. Pardon me. How you kept rural uh, kind of areas in uh, in check as well. I mean, you know, we're in Denver. You're in Los Angeles, and oh no no no, where are you? I'm in North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, North okay. Carolina. But yeah, I mean, it's easy to take that large urban mindset and not scale it back to that rural um, that rural oh, setting. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a big city, yeah, you don't really need a car in a lot of very big, dense cities. Yeah, uh, Ian took a lift to my house today. What's that? Ian took a lift to my house today to record, but that's because he has a Volkswagen R32. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like where I am now, you absolutely would need a car. I mean, actually, you could get it. I'm in a college town, which is kind of dense enough and actually does have a decent transportation system. But if you wanted to get out of this little college town and go somewhere else... You would definitely need a car. Yeah, and a lot, you know, a lot of the country is like that. So I, I, they're not going anywhere. Right on. Um, so let's see here. So to kind of uh, 
some other things that we were kind of thinking about that we would like to get your perspective on would be um, the the Tesla Model 3 and coach building. Uh, because a little while ago, Volkswagen put out that little concept for the electric microbus. Yeah. Right. Yep. And Ian had mentioned that he was excited about that because it was, you know, kind of a skateboard chassis and a possible yeah. return to coach building. Yeah. Well, um, and, and actually, you, you just wrote an article about that, right? I think I did. I, I wrote oh. how I think Tesla needs to sell their skateboard, the, yes. the chassis. Yeah. Let's get into yeah. that. Well, see, I love I think Tesla is the only car maker now that that has a product that's roughly equivalent to the old VW Type 1 pan. Do you remember, I don't know I don't know how old you guys are but I'm an old old man and I remember an era when growing up and you know like and I li- I grew up actually in North Carolina in a town called Greensboro that wasn't a particularly big town but even in this little town um there were people in almost every neighborhood at least somebody building some kind of kit car in a VW pan this is in like the mid 70s I'm in my okay. f- I'm in my early 40s so you know I was growing up in the 70s people were building things that looked like you know, MG replicas, or they would look like little vans or whatever, all in a beetle pan. Beetles were ubiquitous. You could get them dirt cheap, and the, the, you could take the body off, and you'd have a little running platform with those suspension, wheels, brakes, seats, engine, everything, and you could just pop a body on it. Tesla has something like that with their, their skateboard chassis. The motors are integrated into the rear axle, or if they have the additional front motors, they're up there. The batteries are all in the, in the floorboards themselves. You could put any body on this thing. It's all drive-by-wire now. So with their Tesla software and just the right connectors, it would be even easier in some ways because your steering and brakes and everything are just electronic <coughs> components that are just wired right in. You could have a perfect replica microbus on this platform. You could have a little RV. You could have a sports car. You can have a sand rail. You can have anything, really. Or if and, you're you're really cheap like me, it would just be a, a milk crate <laughs> duct taped to the skateboard right. chassis. A yeah. milk crate and then like, you know, half of a, a porta potty that you're still <laughs> kind of stuck on there. Yeah, you, in theory, you could do any of this stuff. Um, and I would love to see a rebirth of, like, there's no reason why you know, Apple wants to make it, you know, they keep talking about the Apple car. If Apple wants to make a car, the idea that they're going to re-engineer the drivetrain to make an electric drivetrain is silly. Electric motors aren't like, you know, like on a gasoline car, the motor has a certain character and is a particular, you know, it feels differently. A V8 feels different than an inline four or flat four feels different than a V6. An electric motor spins a rod, and they all just spin a rod. The way the torque, you know, how much torque is given and how much power will vary, of course, but the fundamental character of all electric motors is basically silent spinning of a rod. You you know, whether it's an elevator or a fan or a car, the motors are basically the same principle. So why re-engineer this thing? They should just buy a platform from Tesla put their own body, their own software, their own UI, and do the things they're good at. And any number of companies could do this. Airstream should be buying these things yes. and plopping yep. Airstream bodies on there with a little, you know, cockpit. And people would fucking love that thing. Um, you know, any number of companies should be starting up to do this. There should be, if they sold these things, it could be like a little mini explosion of very niche market cars and bodies you know, based on a common standard, which would make them easy to repair, easy to charge, 
there's I, I I'm having trouble seeing a real downside to it, really. Yeah, like, I, I don't know why the members of the Bertoni family aren't like begging Elon Musk to form some sort of partnership with them. I mean, sure. some of the Italian coach builders or, and European coach builders. Right. Because honestly, for most mm-hmm. people, the driving dynamics aren't as big a deal as they think they are in their heads. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not like the driving dynamics are bad on the chest on the Tesla at all. They're actually quite good. So, but the, you know, most people would be very happy with a car that is unique looking and has interior traits that they love and is novel or practical or, you know, whatever the hell they want. And I think people would, you know, cars are already very personal as it is. And I think people could get very excited by being able to have like the same level of expression you might have in your clothing or, you know, but translated to uh, a car. Cars are never rational decisions entirely anyway. So, right, right. You know, why, why not? I, I, I think that could also provide a good feeder into that kind of that niche um, interest that people have in car culture. If people like really go after, like you said, a certain taillight that was only available in Australia and having this kind of variety in the field from coach builders, I think it would allow people to have that kind of diversity to choose from and allow them to there would be a kind of a wider surface area for them to get passionate about, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Because, you know, the, it could tailor so much more directly to their niche. And companies that would make these bodies and cars, uh, you know, the amount of research and development needed would be so much less. It would, like, the barrier to entry for a company to start making a car would be minimal. You know, well, not minimal, but it would be significantly less than it is now. If you could buy a working drivetrain from Tesla and you knew and there was an established standard for how things plugged in, you know, what structures you needed for the crash support, what, you know, the software did. Any number of companies could do it, like companies that had previously made other things or, you know, you could have things made of novel materials and interesting designs, things that are made for limited runs. If, if we gave you a chassis and, I don't yeah. know, maybe like two hundred, you know, $500,000, what would you want to do with that? I... I think I'd go. Um, I'd, I'd go van box. I'd go uh, something to fill the microbus niche. Since I don't think VW has done a you know done what people want, I wouldn't be slavishly designing it like an original microbus. But I'd want something that felt like that. Something that was mostly a, a kind of a, a box shape, very flexible, big round lights because I love big round headlights. Lots of windows. And a lot of options for how you configure that interior. So it could be camper, cargo, you know, a lot of like very, very modular. I love the idea of modular cars. You could basically snap off the back and snap on a pickup bed. I'd have a dealership network that um, let you, like if you bought like the basic van, you could go in there and say, hey, I need a truck bed for two weeks where they just, they could just loan you one. You know, yeah. you pay like money, they pop it back on. Like I love the modular car idea. That a lot of companies were playing with in like the seventies, and I think um, I think s- the Tesla platform could do it. So I would go, I would do some kind of fun but practical box on wheels thing. I think would be great. So I actually think there's an opportunity here for you to merge two articles that you wrote recently, because you could talk about this. Think about Bruce Wayne with a Tesla <laughs> yeah. chassis, and then depending sure. on the you know, the villain he's fighting, he could snap a different body yeah. into it. 
Exactly. If he knows the villain is lightly armed but fast, he'd do a lighter weight body that was a little more streamlined. Yeah. If he knew he was just going to spend 48 hours just getting shot at constantly, he'd just have like a heavy ass, you know, shit house built on there. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It could be very useful. And then, you know, once those bodies get all shot up or destroyed, he just takes them, dumps them, gets a new one. Yeah. yeah. He just drives up to the exit of the Bat Cave and then the body just snaps in place around him on his way yeah. out to there the crime scene. Nice. That's even cooler. Yeah. That's what he should be doing. So, so given your, uh, the cars that you have, like that kind of, that are honestly really, really cool. What do you think is the next thing that you have your eye on for adding to your car collection? I have, yeah, there, I have some idea. Um, so right now my fleet, my car fleet consists of the old beetle uh, the scimitar, which I need to get running again. It's been sitting. I have a Dodge RV that I use when I, when we, my move my family across the country, we drove this old 77 Dodge RV. It also just had a problem. So it's not running right now. either. <laughs> but, um, so I think I've got plenty of old shit. That's harder to keep on the road. And then we've got like the XB, which actually we hit a deer with and I have to put the oh. body back together. So, wow. Um, but what I want is I want something, um, I know exactly what I want. It's a little more, it's a little more reliable. It's Japanese. I want a Nissan PAO. P-A-O. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We, we played an FMK cars where I had a Nissan PAO and it is the cutest, most adorable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. It's a, it's a kind of, it was made in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Uh Factory. It's, it's, um, I, 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 I'm not ashamed to admit I love an adorable car. It's got kind of like a 60s. Thank you. and um, I just think they're a blast. They have a big fabric sunroof, and they have lots of good chunky parts with like visible screws. But they're they're great, and I think that would make an amazing daily driver. That's oh my a little god, yes, a little more modern than what I'm used to, and I think um, maybe a little more reliable in some ways than some of like you know certainly than my old British car. I, I, so I think that's that's what I would want to get next. Nice, nice. The thing that really stood out, out uh, about me uh, to the about the Nissan Pal to me was that it, it seemed like it came up in an era where that kind of, um, there was a lot of retro designs that were coming up, like the Ford Thunderbird that I, yeah, I yeah. felt, I felt the really Chinese. missed the mark, but the Nissan Pal nailed like that kind of retro design. It was great. Cause that whole era, there was something interesting going on in Japan where they were doing these boutique cars. So Nissan called it the Pike factory and they made the most famous ones. There was the Nissan. There was the Pal. There was the Figaro. Are you familiar with the Figaro? Uh, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah, the Figaro is like a little two-seat sports car kind of thing. Um, there was the Escargo, which was like this ridiculous snail-like little van thing that's also yes. awesome. <laughs> there was a um, the B1. And then a Toyota also had a separate similar division called Will. Where they made a great car called the Will V, which had this reverse rake rear window. It's kind of like uh, an old Ford Anglia or a Citroen Ami, and you know, so there was they were willing to try these strange niche, low volume cars, and I love that approach. I love, I just love that they were willing to do that, and they were willing to have fun with it. And fun is just one of those things that I feel like. Actually, this is there's an article I'm working on. I haven't I haven't finished it yet, but because um, I'm still trying to figure out the tone I want to take. But the basic point is, I feel like ideas of status and what they call like aspirational cars have killed fun in cars. Like 
there was a time up until like maybe even as late as the 80s where a family car could have been you know you could have gotten like a toyota wagon in bright yellow or orange or green and a tape stripe kit and that would be a perfectly acceptable family car for you to have and it was what it was it, you know it had a fun color it had stripes it didn't take itself too seriously it only had like you know 75 horsepower but today it's hard to find people who are buying cars with any color. Everything seems to be gray or silver or black or white. And almost everything wants to feel premium. Uh, it always wants to feel you know, like it's a, a wealth or a status indicator. And I feel like that tone that's kind of taken over almost every niche of car culture or, you know, of, well, of not car culture, but of what car makers are selling now, it's kind of killed fun like just easy fun in cars and like the only cars you can get in bright ridiculous colors now are either the extreme low end or the extreme high end yep. everybody yep. in the middle is too scared and wants something that looks more premium or serious and it's all grays and blacks and whites so i don't know so i think what the hell was i talking about i don't know i think <laughs> I, I like cars to be fun i like them to take themselves less seriously and i i miss when they were casually fun no and I, I, I we completely agree with you we've talked about this before in the mostly co concentrating on the idea of like performance and luxury kind of getting wrapped up together and yeah. and like fast trumping fun for and i blame yeah. i blame the germans mostly <laughs> honestly honestly fast i mean i've had a lot of fun in fast cars i've driven fast and it's great but most of the time it's useless and it just is frustrating i have yeah. a I have a GSF right now. It is a good color. It's bright orange, and I love that. But and it's like 460-some-odd horsepower. It's very fast. It sounds great, and it's the most frustrating thing to drive I've driven in a long time because all you feel like you're doing is holding back the entire time you're in that car. And right now, it just happens to be a week where – they crack down on speeding stuff in North Carolina. So all week, cops have been everywhere, and it's just been – fucking madman. I can't do anything with it. And I'd rather, frankly, I'd rather have a car with 60 horsepower that I'm driving at its limit at yes. 60 miles an hour. You know, it, it, do that. It's more fun, frankly. Definitely. Holding back isn't any fun at all. Yes. It's much more fun to push something to the limit. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of low horsepower fun cars. So my, my first car was an 88 Nissan pickup truck. Uh, just oh, yeah. a four-speed transmission, all vinyl interior. And it like I definitely get what you're saying about it not trying to shoot for like a luxury thing. like because I mean, that was before all this kind of started coming up. but like yeah. it was so simple, like three squirts of Windex and the entire thing was clean. but also, mm -hmm. like it was stupid fun. It was rear wheel drive. You know, okay. I grew up in Missouri, so we, we did nothing but jump it over hills all the time. <laughs> and it, like, and it was so simple. There was, it was so sure. simple. It didn't try to be anything more than just a simple little utilitarian truck. And right. yeah. And 16 year old me is lucky to sur have survived in it. Yeah. yeah. And try to find a truck like you can't find a truck. It, like exactly. That. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, it's, it's, you know, it's you know, trucks, especially the fact there's no small trucks, there's no simple trucks. All of that's gone. And anytime someone tries to make a simple car, it does horribly in the market. Like um, the last really genuinely simple car I remember reviewing was the Nissan uh, – not Nissan. It was the uh, Mitsubishi Mirage. And I had one and a manual one. It's three cylinders. And I actually 
It wasn't good by a technical stretch, but it was kind of a blast. It was fun. It was simple. And other reviewers actually wrote something lamenting another reviewer's evisceration of it because, like, it was just unfair. Like, what do you want out of this thing? It's great at what it does. It does its job. And everybody's standards have gotten so stupid. If the plastics aren't the right kind of soft touch, you know, they, they pee themselves. And then it's like, why? Like, what's the point? We've gotten, I feel like we've gone off the rails a lot as far as yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Well, and Mitsubishi at this point is funded by like their executives going to like other car dealerships and searching through the couch cushions. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's. I mean, they're they're doing the best they can. <laughs> they are. They're doing the best they can. They're stubborn. And the thing is, in Japan, they actually have a great lineup, and uh, it's just, you know, it's kind of sad. But you know, half the stuff I love that they make in Japan are all K cars that we would never have here. Right. Yeah. So, so what do you say we play some FMK cars, Jason? Okay, sure. Yeah. Ian, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. Let's uh so FMK Cars is a variation on the classic game of Fuck Mary Kill. Usually play with celebrities, but we're nice people, so we play it with cars. Um so the one that I have uh has a catch. So you'll 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 catch on here quickly. It's called It Will in fact baby, but now so will you. So these <clears throat> are cars that you featured in the Will It Baby series. Uh, but the twist is that, you know, we, we kind of accept a lot of behaviors from our babies and toddlers that if you or I or an adult were to do them, it would be pretty much unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things a toddler will do that would end your ass in jail. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. with each one of these cars, you don't have to have a, a, a kid. You don't have, you know, the car doesn't have to baby, but you adopt this behavior. Okay. With the car, okay? So okay. the first one is the 2013 Scion IQ. And the catch is you require exactly as much luggage as a first-class passenger on the Titanic to function regardless of destination. That's going to be a, a hard sell for the IQ, but okay. Yeah. Well, the 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 catches get worse, so you okay. don't dismiss that one out of hand. Okay, yeah. So first one is an IQ with big steamer trunks and a shitload of cargo. Okay. Yeah. Because that's approximately what it takes to get a baby one block from your house. <laughs> yeah, sure. I remember that. Um, all right. So 2014 VW Beetle GSR. Mm, yeah. I like that car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more urgent the errand you're on, the more likely you are to lay down on the sidewalk for no apparent reason and refuse to move. <laughs> so all right so as the as the errand gets more urgent the likelihood you're going to do that approaches one yeah okay all I just, right i just want to see you ian just face down on the sidewalk <laughs> nope not ian, going we need to get thai food we need to get thai food <laughs> not going no nope. yeah all right so the last one 2013 fiat 500 abarth uh, it's also a very fun car i love that car yeah um Every time you go to a party at someone's house, you break something, shit your pants, and then have to be hurried out to the car by someone who's apologizing for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, all right. I think, I think here's how it's going to go. Um, okay. Wait, so, wait, what was the rule for the Airbarth was every time I go to someone's house, shit my pants and break something? <laughs> yep. And then someone hurries you out to the car oh. apologizing profusely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm... You know, as much as I respect it, I'm going to have to kill the IQ because its its utility is just going to be at zero if you have to carry all that cargo in it. It's just <laughs> not going to work. Okay. So the IQ is going to have to get crushed. Um, I think I think I'll fuck the beetle because that would be I like it a lot. It's a blast, but 
if I had to go somewhere and then I ended up just facing <laughs> out, that's that would be very frustrating. But I think I can deal with shitting my pants and breaking things at someone's house. I feel like if that was if I knew that was the case every time, I could try to mitigate it by just steering myself to break something not so valuable. <laughs> I'm pants shitting to when you know I was kind of ready to go almost anyway. In some ways, it might be kind of nice because it would always give me. And out for when I was just kind of ready to leave. Your friends just hand you a styrofoam cup when you come yeah, in the door. Like, like here's the I thing you like, can break. Like, yeah, people I visit on a regular basis, we'd work out some kind of Talmudic loophole. So I get like a, like a styrofoam cup, shit my pants, and then, you know, say goodbye to everybody. And also, the Abarth is a, a bl- uh, just a blast of a car to have, so I, I would be happy with that. That is awesome. That is well, well done, my friend. Thanks. Yes, yes. It's a good one, though. All right, so here is mine. I call okay. it spec with a what? Spec with a who? In this FMK Cars, you get to have a spec racing series with the car. Mm, so okay. if you F it, you just have that spec racing series for a day. Um, okay. it, it never has to be driven on public roads, just on whatever track you deem most fun or appropriate for the car. And, you know, you could go nuts with whatever you want. Okay. So, so first up, we have the, P- and you got to make sure I'm saying this correct, the Piaggio Ape? Oh, yeah, the Ape. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, w- I watched your uh, Jason Drives of that today, and it was amazing. Yeah, I love yeah, that. I, I like the Ape a lot. Yeah. yeah. So imagine a spec racing series of Piaggios. That would be a blast. I'm thinking okay. Rallycross for that, yeah. definitely. <laughs> uh, up next, uh, a Zamboni, because I really <laughs> like the idea of wheel to, I guess, wheel Zamboni racing. Yeah. Okay. And brush, then, brush to brush. Yeah. Then lastly, brush. we have that insanely terrifying 1951 Hoffman that you drove. Oh, that fucking Hoffman. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Where you could, it, it looked like you were shitting yourself as you were driving it. Oh, uh, yeah. The Hoffman. Uh, okay. All right. Um. Okay. I, I think I'd have to go with um, Mary's got to be the Ape. The Ape of yes. all those vehicles yes. is by far the most useful. It would be genuinely entertaining on a track because you've got you know a, a tricycle style layout with three wheels, so you'd always be lifting one wheel and going crazy in the corners, and you could have a lot of fun with a spec Ape racing series. So I'm going to say that to Mary. Um, as weird as it sounds, I think I'm going to kill the Zamboni just because it was. It's just not, you know, it's a heavy, dangerous thing with big swart with blades. And I don't think you'd have that much fun with it on the track, really. It's too slow. And, you know, and this is from me, who's fairly slow as it is. But I think it's still too slow and heavy. And they're fun, but it's um, even on ice. I mean, uh, I mean, a spec Zamboni race series on ice is something that I would be interested in. <laughs> but the Hoffman, the... For one day, it would be such a spectacle to see duplicates of that car. Oh, my God. All trying to make it around <laughs> one fucking lap of a track without ending up everyone dead. It would be just one of those things you can't deny humanity. So I think that would have to be the fun one because I'd want to, for one day, if I survived it, that would be 
a remarkably glorious thing. It would oh, it would be terrible. I it lo- would be carnage. I love that. I I, I want to see the headline like Hoffman Spec Racing Series announced Matt, seventy dead. Bath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ian, you have one more. Yeah. So I, I'd like to do one more that we had, we've done before on the show, uh, but I, I think you might enjoy it. So uh, this one is called. I've got 99 problems, and six of them are in this fucking car with me. <laughs> okay. These are seven-seat cars. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so basically the catch with this one is that you're, it, it's the passengers that are with you in the car. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, this is good. Okay. okay. I gotcha. So Audi Q7, and you have mm-hmm. six very supportive grandmothers are shouting over themselves to encourage you as you, as you drive and ask if you've had enough to eat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Then we have a Tesla Model S. Mm-hmm. You're restricted to the Boulder area. I don't know if you know Boulder, Colorado, but it's... Not, not well, other than work in Mindy took place there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So imagine a Whole Foods and then imagine somebody made a city out of a Whole Foods. Oh, Christ. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So every seat must be filled with the ass of a hitchhiking Trustafarian at all times. Wow. I mean, even I was going to think that one might be good because two of them would be facing backwards. <laughs> but <laughs> the patchouli smell doesn't have a direction. It's and everywhere. And that's that's OK. Yeah. All right. OK. So the last one is Volvo XC90. And you may need to Google for this one. K-pop boy band 2 p.m. are your passengers. <laughs> they, they, they look exactly like Korean. What'd you say? They speak English or just Korean? Um, I think they just speak Korean. I basically, to get this one, I Googled six member K-pop band and they (laughs) were the first ones that came up and they look exactly like you think they would. I think the first image returned is them shirtless waist high in a pool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to have to kill those fuckers in the Tesla. I'm afraid. I like Tesla, but six trust fund jackasses in a whole food city just sounds yeah it's awful it just sounds awful so we, I, I we knew we liked you we knew we liked you yeah. yeah yeah this is good this is good and i think i'd have to marry the grandmothers uh because they're grandmas and you're gonna get some pierogies man in some way yeah and the audi's a good that q7's uh, uh that's a good car too there's nothing wrong with that car and I guess, yeah, I guess I'll be fucking the boy, the K-pop band. <laughs> yeah. A sentence you didn't think you'd hear say on a podcast. Yeah, I, yeah. I always suspected it was going to happen. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, and I, I'm sure, I'm, you know what, I bet we'll have a fun time. I mean, they're in a K-pop band. They probably know how to fun. I'm kind of glad there's a language barrier because then nobody will have to think too much about anything. I'm sure we'll be blasting some ridiculous music and doing something and eating kimchi and drinking, you know, sake. So I'm, I'm cool with that. That sounds like a pretty fun night. I, I would try to get them to cover all of my music, like uh, K-pop versions of Aphex Twin and then Pixies Surfer Rosa. Oh, okay. oh Pixies are my favorite group. So I'd, I'd be down with that. That yes. would be great. Yes. Nice. Nice. I, um, I mean, I think that wraps it up. Uh, yeah. Was there uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about or anything like that? I mean... Yeah. Um, not really, other than, you know, keep reading Jalopnik. We, For sure. we love having everybody. And, um, yeah, and uh, I'm very lucky in that I get to do this job. 
awesome. say that. It certainly comes through in the energy that you put into your articles, and, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, everybody, Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So your would you like to give your uh, Twitter and, and that stuff? Uh, yeah, sure. My uh, Twitter is at Jason Torchinsky. Yeah, so at Jason Torchinsky, spelled like the Statue of Liberty, Torchinsky. And uh, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I'll be there. That's that's the one that's the most useful. So that would be the one to follow. And of course, you know, keep keep coming back to Jalopnik Definitely. and I try to get interesting the stuff as, as often as I can and we'll try to do it every day. Yeah. Well I, Jason, we I mean we really appreciate it today. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you. It's been fun. I I look forward to hearing it. Okay, yeah, we'll uh we'll definitely tweet it out and uh I'll we'll tag you for sure. Okay, thanks. All right. Have a good night, guys. You too. You too. Oh my god, Ian, <sighs> that was that was amazing. How much fun was that, dude? He is the best. Yeah, he, the he best. was so game for everything, and yes. uh, I think he legitimately enjoyed FMK cars, which yes. may be a first for a guest. <laughs> <laughs> he picked it up and ran with it, man. That was yeah. awesome. That yeah, it was, was cool. awesome. Yeah. So, um, man, yeah, Jason, thanks again. Um, so you can follow us. Team Clearcoat at Gmail. Send us an email with your FMK Cars ideas. Yep. Rate and review us on iTunes. Team Clearcoat. Please do that. Yes, please do that. Um, let's see here. Uh, you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook at Team Clearcoat. Follow Ian on Instagram and Twitter at I Roll So Hard. E Y E Roll So Hard. Follow me on Instagram at Nuck Nuck Goose and on Twitter. And yeah, I think that I think that does it. Yeah. Ian. Thank you once again, Jason. That was so much fun. Oh, and Ian, guess what? What? The re- the recorder ran the whole time. Oh, thank you. I, ke- I kept looking at it, making sure over and over and over again. <laughs> Good job. You get some taffy tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs>